Welcome to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski, the show that highlights and celebrates the kinetic and potential energy in classrooms across the globe and why it matters. We are heard nationally wherever fine podcasts are available and weekly on the radio at Charleston, South Carolina's iconic 1250 WTMA Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock from right here at our home base in Charleston, South Carolina. Robin, welcome to your show. Thank you. It's always a pleasure for me to be on your show and because we always have great guests. But before we get to great guests, we have business we must take care of. We do. So please follow me on social media on Instagram, Robin underscore Berlinski. You can find out all the cool things happening, know what's coming up on a podcast, and of course, sometimes win cool prizes. And um, I am in the process of having morning coffees with parents to learn Ooh. more about their kids Ooh. and kind of tee us up for something fun coming in September. And for each parent that meets with me for coffee, they will receive a $50 Amazon gift card. So if you are a parent of a kindergarten through fifth grade student and you would like to meet me for coffee, please reach out to me. You can DM me on Instagram, Robin underscore Berlinski. You can email me at Robin at the learning ring.com or um, I guess that's the only way you can find me. Thank you. Well, I like Amazon. What if I had a kid who was in kindergarten and fifth grade at one point? You know, I would make that <laughs> for you, Ron. I would make that happen. Absolutely. All right. Well, let me get into our special guest because as always, uh, you bring some great guests into the into the studio and especially when you're old friends. It just makes things oh that much more exciting. So much fun. Welcome to the show, Robin Fountain. Robin, good morning. Good morning. I, I, I We don't have uh, the 60 minutes to read this entire bio, but I'm going to pick some of the amazing. highlights. She is amazing. This is incredible. Born in Columbus, Ohio, but that's okay. I wasn't born here either, <laughs> but we have found Charleston, South Carolina. That's right. Um, I know I'll let you fill in some of the blanks, but ultimately you are a principal, which I've always been fascinated by the, the person who runs the whole school, uh, the principal at James B. Edwards in Mount Pleasant. And when you aren't working or spending time with your daughters and grandkids, you enjoy being outside, listening to live music, going to River Dogs games, watching movies and painting. Sounds like what you do in your spare time, right, Rob? I'm telling you. You've got time for River Dogs games. Well, you do, but... The painting part, I'm fascinated by. Robin, welcome to the show. I, I'm, I try to make it glib so people understand we have fun in the studio. Fantastic. It's wonderful to be here. And I'm going to jump in. Um, I want our listeners Your to know- Your show, you don't have to jump oh, in. Not, I okay. have to jump in. <laughs> Get out of the way, Robin. All right, go ahead. Um, I want to say that I have known Robin. You're probably one of the, the people I've known the longest since I've lived here. And we've connected, you know, when that person in your life keeps coming in and out of your life in different ways, like it might be in one- space and then you're somewhere else in a whole different frame of mind and they come in your life again. Like we've done that. We've just threaded into each other's lives. And she has taught my children in elementary school. We've no worked on businesses together. I mean, I could go on and on, but the connection, and of course we're both named Robin, which is super cool. Especially um, in the first week of spring, two <laughs> which, Robins in the studio. Two Robins in the studio. But to take it hey, pardon back, me one second. <coughs> oh, okay, go ahead. Please, <laughs> with the sound effects. Um, Robin, something that I love is that now that we have this podcast called Energy Matters in the Classroom, you are in the principal's office. You are the leader in the school that really determines the culture and the energy. So in order to do that, you've had experiences throughout your life that guide you in how to provide space for positive energy. So I want to go back. You talked about Ohio, but I want to talk about how you decided to even get into education and kind of a little bit about your journey to becoming the principal at the oh so amazing 
James B. Edwards Elementary School. Thank you. It is amazing. I love the school. Um, my journey began in education. I just kind of grew up in it, for one thing. My mom was a teacher, um, and I you know, babysat. I was around children. I taught Sunday school. And actually, it's kind of a funny story. I was always told by the ladies in church that I was either going to be a pastor's wife or a teacher. And so I rebelled against both those things and went to (laughs) college and said, I'm not going to do those things, actually. And um, ended up, I wanted to become an artist, but I knew that wasn't really a very practical um, endeavor. And I got married while I was in college and um, decided what I really wanted was to have a career that supported me as a mom. And I was super excited about that. And that's what got me into education. I finally swallowed my pride and said, yep, this is what I'm called to do. Um, I definitely felt like it was a calling, something I was meant to do. Um, and once I made that decision in college, I never looked back. So you made that decision in college? I did. Or, okay. I did. So you were in Atlanta at the time? Nope. I was in Nashville, Tennessee oh, okay. at Rebecca University. Um, my alma mater went straight through undergraduate and did my master's there before I got out into the classroom. Okay. So here I say, like, we've known each other forever. I never knew that. So <laughs> you learn something new all the time. So you, where did you start teaching? My first teaching was actually in Glasgow, Scotland. So I taught there Whoa, for... what kind of a leap of faith is this? <laughs> it definitely was a leap of faith. I was my husband at the time, my ex-husband now, my husband at the time was um, applying for graduate school, PhD programs, and he got into University of Glasgow just as I finished my master's degree. Wow. And we were young and foolish and had no real obligations in the world. So we just stepped out on faith and went. And it was a fantastic opportunity. Um, I'm still friends with many of the people that I met during that time and got to see what life was like in a different sort of school setting. How many years did you teach there? I was there three years. I taught most of those years. Um, The first year I was really just a substitute that went from building to building and um, which was an unusual thing for me as a person growing up um, without ever having been on public transportation to wake up in the morning. And remember, this is a long time ago. There were no cell phones. There were no apps. There was nothing but a regular phone and a map. And you just got a call. It told you where to go. And you would have to figure out what train to take and get there. So I'm, I'm fascinated by, you kind of touched on it, what a culture shock it was. Somebody once told me um, the difference between uh, the UK and the United States, two great cultures separated by a common language. Uh, what was it that was so different? I mean, I think I'd love to know, what is school like over there that is significantly different, if that's the right way to describe it, than, than it is here? Wow. Um, the language was the, a big barrier for me, believe it or not, because it when you're in Glasgow, Glasgow itself has its own dialect. And then I often was in an area of Glasgow called Drumchapel, and which has a very distinct, hard to understand dialect. So learning um, how to meander and get through um, just the practicalities of living there was difficult. But trying to teach students how to read, um, young students, was 
nearly impossible. I don't think I did a very good job, to be honest, that <laughs> first right, Stupid year. question for me. Are these books in English as we would know it, but they just pronounce the words differently? Correct. Correct. So let me give you an example. The first, one of my first memories is meeting, um, asking a little boy who was coming into my classroom what his name was, and um, I'm going to try to pronounce it, Addie. And I would, I couldn't understand what he was saying. And I said, how do you pronounce, or how do you spell that? And he said, ah, ar, ar. <laughs> and he was actually phonetically wow. giving me the sounds of Harry. But it took me a long time to figure out what was going on. So, um, yeah, it was very, it was very different. And I'm sure it's different now. This was 25 years ago when I started. And then you ended up where after that? You came back to the States. Came back to the States. I took some time to have my children um, and be with them when they were little. And then we moved to Charleston. Yay! And that's where our story began. And then I meet Robin. And here we are. The rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. So you were here and you taught at Ashley River Creative Arts Elementary. My kids had you as, I mean, you're just amazing. And then you moved to Atlanta for a little while and- I'm going to like fast forward a little bit because um, I love that you became a principal. So I hear of my friend Robin Fountain, this teacher I know and love, and she's off to Atlanta and up oh, now she's a principal. So how does that happen and why do you decide to move to that position? Well, I was um, lucky enough when we moved to Atlanta, we went, I started at City Schools of Decatur, which was a district that had partnered with EL Education which is an amazing school reform model that is still in existence today and um, now has a curriculum that we've just rolled out, an ELA curriculum that we've rolled out to CCSD. And they are very, um, they really promote growing people from their program. So when you're a classroom teacher, you're automatically a leader and you become you know, you are tapped for different opportunities and one thing led to another and I became an instructional coach. That was my first step at another school. And then I decided this is great. I love curriculum and instruction. I love coaching teachers and I can have an even bigger impact if I can do that at the whole school level. So I got my leadership degree, became a principal there for three years before moving back to Charleston. I mean, I'm I'm kind of out of breath listening to all of this. I mean, is this a standard uh, direction for someone who wants that principal's job? You, you work in lots of places, you bring lots of experience and background, and, and what finally gets you over the hurdle? Is that a tough question? It is, and I think um, it's different for everybody. I mean, you may not want to brag about yourself, but I think <laughs> if you achieve that level, you obviously bring something to the table. Well, I think I have been fortunate to be surrounded by amazing people who do have a positive energy and I feed off of that. Right. But I'm going to jump in and I'm going to be the champion for Robin Fountain right now. We're going to have a little Robin Fest. You are the best listener. You are a lifelong learner when something is not and I'm not going to say goes wrong. When something doesn't go the way you wanted it to go, you pivot. You don't blame. You don't, there's no negativity. Like what I've seen her do in life and in school and, you know, professionally, personally is just like, here's life. Let's deal with it and let's figure it out. And oh, now let's do this. But 
the biggest thing, I think your superpower, and we do like to tell people what their superpowers are. Your superpower is you're such a good listener and you build people. You know, like what you were saying earlier about it takes people and I forget how you phrased it, but builds them up to the capacity of what they were meant to be. Like I see you doing that in your school. Like you, you just build people. So sorry, but I had to step in to just brag on you because I knew you weren't going to do it. You are very sweet. And I do love to build people up. I really, that is what I'm passionate about. As a principal, um, I know when I start getting burnt out, I've been in my office too long and I've been dealing with um, organizational issues and paper and pencil and um, tactical things. And I have to make sure I get out and interact with people because that is where I get my energy. And I love seeing what's happening in classrooms, whether I'm sitting with kids in the classroom or I'm chatting with teachers or I'm planning with teachers. I love that. And that's what fires me up. So during your tenure as principal, what are some of your proudest achievements? Um, one of the things that I'm most proud of was one of the first things I did in Decatur was um, led our school through a credentialing process to become basically a model school for the EL Education Network. And that was a tremendous lift for everybody, not just me, but the fact that we made it and did that um, and accomplished it was something I will always be proud of. In um, Charleston, I would say at James B. Edwards, one of my biggest um, points of pride is just the culture and climate that we have at our school. Um, when I came in, uh, there had been a lot of change. Um, there had been multiple uh, multiple principles over the last few years. And that instability is a hurdle to come, you know, to go over. So the fact that we got over that, stayed calm during that time, um, we now have just an incredible, incredible school climate and culture. And that is the most important thing about any school is that you have that positive energy and all the other things you can make happen, whether it's curriculum, whether it's a political issue that you're facing, whether it is, you know, whatever the situation is that you're faced with, if you have that strong base of a positive climate and culture, you can handle it. Well, I think the brilliance of being a good listener, as you obviously are, is you respect everyone else's opinions. You didn't just come in and say, this is how we're doing it and that's all there is to it. I mean, how else can you build a great team but having everybody contribute and feel like they're having some benefit or positivity in the grand scheme of things? That's very true. And my first year um, at James B. Edwards, I basically just sat still and just kept asking why. So why are why are you guys doing this? And not in a, you know, in a negative connotation, like prove why just, you're doing just it. Learning. Just curious, learn. yeah. you know, why are you doing this? And it surprised people that they were like, oh, I'm not sure why we do this. And I just kept asking why, why, why. Lots of whys that first year and lots of meetings with uh, grade level chairs and just sort of getting the feel for the community and figuring out what direction we were going to go. So are you part of the hiring process when they bring in new teachers? I am. So what do you look for? 
what what are those obviously you have a great you know group of of educators at your school and you want to continue to feed that uh, organic model if you will what are those what are those talents what are those uh, traits you look for in a great teacher uh, what I look for is something that's really hard to define um I look for because I could take I mean not to brag but I really do feel like I could take somebody off the street, the right person, and make them into a good teacher, but only if they're the right person. So I look for somebody who has passion about something, you know, and I always ask that in interviews, what are you passionate about? And if it's music, great. You know, as long as there is that spark, and I did not realize for a long time, there are a lot of people that don't have that spark. They're not really passionate about a lot. Um, and those are the people that are the most difficult to coach and to grow. So that is something I always look for, people who are passionate and people who are driven by service to other people. What are you passionate about? Oh, let's see. Um, Music is one thing I am passionate about, and people. I love to see people do their very best. Um, And I'm assuming the children. I mean, how can you not be passionate about kids? Absolutely, absolutely, the kids. But I consider them people. I, um, you know, I teach at the College of Charleston and have students who go out in the field every semester. And I had, remember, I was, oh my gosh, you should have seen me. It was like Christmas when I got my email, like your students are at, I was like, no, I was so excited. And so my students are at James B. Edwards and their early childhood. So like kindergarten through second grade is where we are placed. And um, my students commented about the culture. So you have a, you have a school culture. And then you have a classroom culture. And when there's a good leader in a school, that culture will trickle trickle into the classroom. And my students picked up on that. And they came back to me and spoke of how the teachers have this kind of really great energy, that positivity and that passion. But when when I think one or two of my students said that they asked, like, how do you keep that kind of energy? How do you do that? Because this is a law, 180 days. And they said it's the leadership. So just so you know, Robin, your teachers are bragging on you to my students. I think that's incredible. I, I mean, again, there's a buzz in the community and just listening to this and knowing people are talking about your contributions, that's got to make you feel really, really good. But I, again, I know you'll immediately give credit to your whole team and everybody that's involved. Absolutely. I mean, I just, I feel very blessed that I have been given the opportunities that I've had and the group of people that always seem to to appear where I am. So, I, you know. It's, and you, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. Okay. you I, I follow them on social media and I know you've got a lot of cool things. Like you have a, an amazing garden in the back and you you have French, is that right? Shall you be on? We do. Okay. Yeah. We, we. Um, we, we. Um, French, I mean, you're. that's what I love too is that it's a principalship that's always looking out like when you said you ask why, why do we do that? Sort of like you're also asking what else? What else can we do here? So do you have any new kind of plans that you're thinking of for the school or anything recent that you've done? Well, I think that um, one of the things that makes James B. Edwards so special is the fact that um, over the last five years, we have started a lot of programs that um, are so engaging for our kids and our families. The greenhouse, as you mentioned, um, is one, and every single year it grows, you know, to a more substantial part, becoming more of a substantial part of our 
entire package um, to the point we now, the JBE1 slash PTO now pays to have a part-time person actually doing the classes rather than just volunteers. We still have tons of volunteers. We have, again, um, the great program of boat building with Low Country Maritime School. Wow. And that started through a partnership with um, Engaging Creative Minds, another Robin Berlinski um, project. Another way our lives weaved into That's each right. other. Yeah. And that was in their first year, we took them on as a STEM partner and we just fell in love with it. And it became part of, we are a school of global leadership and we feel like any chance where we, that we can take to have our students be leaders and leaders of their own learning and get authentic, real opportunities um, to learn, we're going to take it. And so the greenhouse and the boat building is amazing. They actually create boats. They learn all the skills, including how to use power tools. And this is just fifth grade. So it's almost like a capstone project. And in the spring, they take these boats and they actually launch them and they go out and sail, not sail, but they go out on their boats and survive every year i'm always a little nervous <laughs> but yeah it's it's really fantastic this, i just have to say this like makes my heart so warm to know you i did not know you were still doing that program so that is amazing thank you for sharing that but i love i i would where do they go not the ocean no they don't go to the ocean the first couple of years they went to colonial park downtown mm-hmm. there was a special spring event that the low country maritime school um collaborated on but the last couple years we've done it at james island county park how significant is the uh the parent body i mean that's so important in any school do you have a pretty good representation of of parents i have the best group of parents in not just charleston county but i would say the country they have been so incredibly supportive during um covid during Everything it is, you know, of course, you're always going to have one or two parents who have an agenda, but out of almost 800 students, 99.99999% of my parents are supportive in every possible way with their time, with their energy and with their money. So they are the reason we're able to do the boat building because we no longer have that through engaging creative minds. They're the reason we are able to fund the greenhouse. They helped me turn the um, library, which is the hub of our school into, when I came in, it was a um, ranked as an at-risk library due to the age of the collection and the number of resources. I have an amazing teacher that I hired, teacher librarian, Heidi Benton. And with her help, Over the last four years and with our parent community donating money, we have increased our um, collection by 4,000 books. So that's $80,000. My goodness. Yeah. And great um, parents. Shout out to James B. Edwards' parents. Those parents, I would put them up against any parents in this country. They are fabulous. Wow, that's wonderful. But obviously, if you didn't give them something to get excited about, this wouldn't happen. So kudos to you as well. Yeah, when my first year here, my friend Kelly in New York will will listen to this podcast. She loves us. Hi, Kelly. Um, And we talked about my first year here. I taught 
at Canehoy Elementary, and it was before 526. It was very rural in the middle of nowhere. And so this was 1990, and there was not any literature in the library about the moon landing. All the like then encyclopedias were pre, it was that old. And I wrote a letter to the editor to my, my school back where I grew up in Canandaigua, New York, to let them know how amazing they have it to have all these rich resources in their media centers because every school does not have that. So I bet you just like tapped that into me because that's one of my big moments when I first moved here. Um, but you had to notice that. That was another, another one of those like, why? Why is the library? And so how great that you look at everything inside of a school. Well, I'm I'm just very fortunate. I have a great, great group of people. It's really because of them and just the, you know, opportunities that I've been given. Our parents also are really concerned about um, early literacy and they have um, supported us in getting our K through two teachers as well as our um, intervention teachers uh, trained in Orton Gillingham. And that is also financially a huge deal. But the time that it takes and the amount of energy it takes from my teachers is enormous. And I have to give a shout out. They are, you know, they just approach everything with, you know, openness and 100%. They give it their all. So it's amazing. Give us the 50 cent tour, Orton Gillingham. I'm not familiar with that. Okay. It is a, um, it is a program, sort of a philosophy. It's not really a program, but it's a philosophy that is based on the science of reading, how students learn phonetic principles and phonics. It's multi-sensory. It is, um, specific from the way it's rolled out the first day all the way to the end. And it's a big deal for me because when I was doing my master's degree, you may remember this, Robin, my um, my master's thesis was why whole language is better than phonics. Wow. <laughs> That's yes. basically it. Yes. And so the pendulum has really shifted back and forth and we're now in the center where um, we are realizing that it is it takes all of it to become a good reader. So a lot of students are able to break the phonetic code and, you know, begin reading on their own. But a lot of students need that very systematic, um, absolute uh, teaching of the principles and hearing the the sounds to um, be able to become a good reader. That's fantastic. What did I promise you at the beginning of the show that it would go quickly? Yes. Now we have to wrap it up. Robin Fountain, what a, what a terrific guest. Isn't and she awesome? I hope you come back again. And, and again, two Robins. How lucky am I to be in the <laughs> studio with two Robins? Well, you've been listening to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski, the show that highlights and celebrates the kinetic and potential energy in classrooms across the globe and why it matters. We're heard nationally where refined podcasts are available and weekly on the radio at Charleston, South Carolina. It's 1250 WTMA, Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock. Clarify for me, Robin, do we have a new website, an old website? Are we using both websites? Where do people we find We have it? a website, thelearningring.com, that is in the process of being renewed. That's all I needed to know. Thank you, folks. Great to be with you. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.